Welcome on in. Enswell Boxing, Ireland's boxing podcast. I'm Al Rich. Click on the link in the attached show notes. You'll find all our previous episodes. If you want to get in touch, suggestions, ideas, you'll find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or you can email us at endswellpod at protonmail.com. <laughs> of course, you're welcome on in. And it is a privilege and pleasure, as always, to be in your ears for this latest episode. I hope the health, the wealth, the well-being, the mood and all are good in your world. In a week where Eddie Hearn unveiled five shows across three countries. Gather round, gather round, let's sort the fires from the spires. Featuring most of Matram's top names. With a quiet man, Stevie Ward faced the might of Thor's hammers, faced the mountain. And more than acquitted himself well. And with the latest whitewash of a black, disgusting stain on Irish history against the women and children of this country. I can't help but ask the question, what sort of people have we become? And we'll get to all that and more in a few minutes. Also joining me on the episode, Carly Skelly boxed for a Commonwealth title against Amy Timlin on the Alexander Usyk Derek Chisora card back in October, November. And I got the interview, I got to speak with her just before Christmas, just Christmas week, would you believe? And, and as luck would have it, one of the fights Uncle Eddie announces is, of course, the rematch between Amy and today's guest, Carly Skelly. Boxing's always been like my outlet. So I'm in Alder Heights Children's Hospital um, and I'm on like a surgical board. And making his return to the show. He wraps hands, he's a cut man, he could probably say a mass if you wanted to. He's one of Irish boxing's most popular and genuine fellas. It's Tommy McCormack. He's going to talk to us about the bubbles, the scenarios and all the protocol and everything else. It's changed for a lot of fighters. Now they still go to that place before they fight, but their journey to get to that place is now it's very I'm much fresh different. From running a barnstorming event in Dubai, where the aforementioned Stevie Ward took on the mighty mountain, is Belfast man Aaron to talk to us all about that and how it came about. If that big man does another nine months of training and uh, learns to rotate more, it's, it's, it's dangerous. So, it's a busy little episode today. I uh, just want to get a little bit of housekeeping done, as they say before I get into the nitty-gritty. I got a message earlier on in the week, the back end of last week, should I say. Uh, just a question, and it goes a little bit like this. I'll, abri- I'll, I'll shorten it down, just get to the crux of the matter, the question. A lot of people say, believe to achieve, and it sounds great, and it is positive, but... Is it possible to believe if you haven't yet achieved? That uh, I, you asked me not to read out the name on it, so um, I'm not sure. I don't think I know the person that sent this. Anyways, that doesn't matter. I thought about this for a little while, and first of all, you'd say mm, I understand what you mean, but when you drill into it a little bit, okay. Say for example, um, I can talk about podcast. I can talk about say fitness, say doing something that you haven't done in a while, which is my fitness. <laughs> um, say, for example, you are you haven't been doing any any exercise at all and you've decided, got to do something. I mean, I, I feel like I need to do or want to do something and I'm ready, okay, which is which is the most important thing. So um, rather than get up, you're not going to get up and run a 5K. You're not going to get up and run a 1K. You're probably not even going to get up and run a half a K. So what you decide is this week, Starting on whatever day you're deciding you're starting on, I 
I'm going to walk from here to the end of the road. And if I'm, or I'm going to walk from here to the end of the road and back, or I'm going to walk from here to wherever. You set yourself a little goal that's achievable, that you know you can do it. So when you do that, you make a little note of it. Keep a little, it doesn't have to be a diary. I use a diary, but it doesn't have to be. If you just keep a little note of it on your calendar, on a sheet, somewhere that you can see it. And increase it a little bit, maybe not the second day, because you know when you wake up the second day, you're going to be a little bit sore. You're going to be a little bit sore because you haven't done it. No way, okay? Next next day, you push it a little bit, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit more. So, well, you've got to be relative. And this is, this is the thing, that, this is the point that I want to make. Achievements, goals, targets, they all have to be relevant. They all have to be achievable and they all have to be put into perspective. So if you're going from sitting around eating food all the time, eating junk and not exercising, and all of a sudden you're getting up in a week and you've walked one half a K every day, that's an achievement. It might not be an achievement by comparison to Hall down the road who's running, running 5Ks, or it might not be achievable an achievement compared to Shauna in, down, the, down the other end of the road who is, who's running training for a marathon. But they don't matter. Other people do not matter when it comes to your goals, your beliefs, your achievements. And I, I hope I'm explaining this properly because it's most important. If you feel like you're not getting anywhere, if you feel like you're not making progress, if it looks and seems to you like, oh, what's the point? Well, then you're going to fall off straight away. And just just to, to wrap it up for me for the podcast, the way I set a goal was I had decided six months before to do the podcast that I was going to do. So I started about, uh, I was building a studio, I was building an audio, a vocal booth, I was building this, I was building that, I was building the other. And, and after about six months, I'm looking, thinking, what am I doing? Why am I building this? Why am I building that? What are... And I realised what I was doing. I was unknown to myself, in my head, I was finding a reason to delay it, put it off, and not do it. So I stopped building, and I booked two interviews with Dervla Duffy and Jerry Cooney. And all, the sh- and, and and it went from there. So I hope that answers your question. I hope it may- explains it properly. Um, take little bits, go at them, do them, and make a note of them so you can see your progress, you can see your achievements. And I guarantee you this much: when you make progress, and when you finish that week, or when you finish that day, or when you finish that walk, and you, and you come back and you get in the shower, or whatever it is you're doing, you're going to feel great because you know in your head that I couldn't do this yesterday, I couldn't do this last week, but I've done it this week. I was delighted to get that, actually, question. So anybody that has any that are not sure, anything they'd like to chat about or like me to cover or maybe discuss, whatever way you think yourself, uh, get in touch. You can get uh, on the across the social medias or, you, of course, you can get me on the email. Speaking of, I've set up a new one, a nice, easy one to remember, and it's simple, ebpod at mail.com. Echo Bravo pod at mail.com. Got to get back into the shout-outs, of course, with the new year. It's a big, big, big happy birthday to the man himself, my old pal Levi Gabriel. Tough old year for you, mate, and the family. It's been one that that you want to put behind you and look forward. And i got to say, for the first time the other night, that smile was back. I saw that smile. So, mate, happy, happy, happy birthday to you. If anybody deserves a good, happy and healthy year, it's you and the family. And if anybody can prove and bear proof that age is nothing but a number. Word as well for Tony Brown, Superfly and Vlad Belusky. Lads are fighting on Saturday night in Belgium. So a big special shout out to them. Best of luck. Go do the business. 
Great reaction to Vlad's story last week. Great reaction and huge interest in it as well. So a lot of new eyes and ears coming to what we're doing. Long may that continue. Shout out to Lady Luck, who's on the move. She's uh, almost settled in, almost done and dusted. And I believe, from what she tells me, happy as a pig in the proverbial. So best of luck to you, Beck. Going to be chatting with you really soon. Looking forward to it. Hope all is going well in this new year. And a special little somebody that I know has had a little... Ah, look, it's been a rough couple of couple. It's been a rough start of the new year, is the best we can say. There's been a lot going on, but it's behind now, and there's a that lot dealt with. Now we can kind of look forward. Twenty one is coming, lots to do. So keep it going, keep the head up, keep the chin up. You got this. A great shout out, an absolutely brilliant shout out that came in over the weekend from Ken Morgan, and it's one to all the Bagwa crew around the world, wherever we may be situated. Hashtag Red String of Fate. What a shout. Great call, Ken. Uh, that, of course, is to my pal Toby, Sarah and TJ and the gang and Bagua Tattoo in Lasagna. Special people, real people, the realest you could hope to meet. So, great call, Ken. Good on you. Thanks for that. And the last one here, definitely the least as well. <laughs> it's a bit of a personal one. And um, I've, a, I've got a, a, a special heartfelt word for a fella who... How do I word this? Look... I got a best pal growing up from the time we were, I don't know, eight or nine, too, too long at this stage. And he was long enough to have sense. And uh, <laughs> but I uh, was a wingman, was a partner in crime. Pretty much all the memories, good, bad and indifferent. And all the trouble and all the fun and everything else was had was had with my mate Fino. As we hung around annoying people on those um, mean old streets in Newbridge. By extension of that, his mum, Peggy, um, was pretty much all of the same to me. Let me tell you this much. When the other lad got me into trouble, as usual, always forever get me in trouble. I don't know where. I'm, I can just imagine how easy my life would have been and how little less trouble I would have been in if it weren't for that mate of mine. Anyways, Peg has the sort of shout that you know the minute you hear, oh shit. And uh, she's the type of lady that can boot you in the arse for doing something and two seconds later be putting her arm around you to ask you, are you all right? She's one of the most special, real, genuine um, people that you could hope, that any kid or any person could hope to have and meet and want as a, as a mum. And her partner, Rich. Um, what am I going to say about you, Rich? Uh, you torment the heart and soul out of me, pal, don't you? Two you just are, do you know what it is about you? You're... you're you're, you're like a comic duo. I don't know which is Laurel and which is Hardy. Well, I do, but but I won't insult anymore. But look, long story short, Rich has got a bit of bad news and he's got a bit of a battle on his hands over the next few weeks and months. And for all the joking and slagging and acting the maggot that goes on and all the cross-dressing and dressing up and dressing down and... Oh, actually, listen, I better not go into all that. But for all that and all the joking aside, Rich, um, you, my man, have brought a smile and a content a happiness to that lady that she deserves and deserved a long long time and it's, I'm just do you know what it is mate for that alone I can t- I can take away all the slagging I can take away all the other stuff I can take away all the good all, bottom line is mate roll up them sleeves hang up the costumes hang up all the dresses and all those kind of things that you like to put on and bursting out of this that and the other get the fight on alright anything you need anything you want reach out you're going to be surrounded by people you're surrounded by love you're surrounded by the most genuine 
good folk that you could wish for in this battle. And if anyone can do this, you can do it. And once that's done, and once you've beaten it and battled it and got ahead with it, we can have the conversation and see then if we have to keep being nice to you or if we can go back to being just normal, which is uh, which is what I think you love the best. So, till then, mate, you're foremost in my thoughts. Anything you need at any stage along the line, whether it's a laugh or a bit of crack or whatever it is, well, give Dwayne a shout. <laughs> One of the things I mentioned at the top of the hour here that I was going to look at and discuss because there's a lot of people, I guess, overseas who aren't familiar with this latest skid mark on Irish history in in reference to the mother and baby homes. But I think I'm going to have to put it on hold for the time being. It's a whitewash. It's another cover-up. It's a, it's a sham by a sham of a leadership. But I can't really go too deep into it right now because we've got quite a lot to get through with guests. I've got, uh, as I said, three to get through. So... I am going to hold it. I have a good bit written about it. I have a good bit of research done. I have some um, footage also of the one of the speakers in the doll during the week when this sham was, was whitewashed out. But I'll hold that and I'll maybe put it into an episode where there's not as much to get through, if that's okay. And it's absolute clowns that lead this place um, suffer with grandeur, delusions of grandeur. They have themselves in somehow believing that Ireland is a modern, forward-thinking country. When it's not, it's a not. And when we look at places like, when we look down our noses on like uh, other places and other parts of the world and how they conduct themselves and how they are seen as uh, cultures and everything else, we cannot afford. We're third world by comparison. Third world. And you listen to what Aaron is going to tell me in a few minutes about how well Dubai is running in midst of this quote-unquote pandemic well then you might just get a little eye-opener wake up and get these shitheads as far away from the the, the helm as possible and that's all I'm going to say for the time being because it's vile vile to say the least but rather than that rather than drag the temp the tone down I'm going to keep it positive we're going to have a chat now with a fella who's one of the most popular on the scene whether it's domestic boxing whether it's domestic MMA or international MMA and international boxing. Tommy McCormack is one of those fellas who you just smile when you think of his name and you get lost in the conversations that you've had and then you start the next conversations. He's he's one of the most engaging, uh, thought-provoking and knowledgeable fellas out there about not just boxing but fight sports in general. And it was an absolute joy to catch up with him so early in the new year. And he gave me, gave us just to give us a little insight into the protocols around the different bubbles that he's seen and let's face it he's been, he's been around pretty much all I'm of looking it. at the clock here I've 25 minutes nearly 26 done with this man already we've chatted about everything and anything to do with fight sports UFC MMA fights in the park always incredible we've Tommy McCormick back Tommy it's great to chat with you Happy New Year how are you keeping? Oh Happy New Year uh, yeah it's, it's un- well um, strange times we're living in but yeah I am keeping good no, you're one fingers of the, you're crossed you're one of the, the, the busiest in the game and that's not by luck or by chance or anything else right all the way up to Christmas you were flat out and we've chatted there off air about some of the amazing people you get but I think the one thing that follows true is it's that positivity and fighters need positivity around them and they love it around them have you noticed that they've been affected or is that what's shining through Tommy and keeping lads going throughout this time um, do you know the, the 
the the whole so COVID the, and and the bubble as 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 we call it uh, around these shows, you're seeing some fighters absolutely thrive in this. No fans, no, you know, it's very intense. You're, you're locked in a hotel with, with the opponents. You're, you know, you've seen your opponent daily. Some fighters are thriving in that environment where others aren't doing as well. Like, I've been lucky enough, I got, we, i done the fight camp week one. I was there with James Tennyson. I done fight camp week two. Um, then I moved on to do a couple of the MTK shows. But I, I just, just taken... Where I seen where I, where it really stood out for me, I watched um, Teddy Harper, Natasha, Natasha Jones, and I thought I have never seen Natasha so focused on in my life. I just thought she looked ready. She looked like she looked like she could kill anyone that was in in the hotel that time. Um, and I, I remember thinking, oh, she, she, she's going to put in a performance. And not taking Teddy Harper is wonderful. She's a great person. Wonderful fighter, um, but I think Natasha done better, be, and just because of her boxing pedigree, her you know being away in international duties, where you be in those kind of scenarios where you're seeing people are going to fight, uh, you know, at international competitions days before you fight them and stuff. Having said that, I think that was week two, fight camp week two. We saw it in the run up to Christmas, particularly in some of the big ones, the likes of John, Joe, Big Joe Joyce, the likes of Lyndon Arthur. You're seeing those guys with the school pedigrees right from. Foot perfect. Everything about them from the day they put on the gloves, first of all, everything about them is, and, and they thrive in that environment. Whereas you've got guys then that are coming in, feeding off energy, feeding off crowds, feeding the buzz. My, my first was uh, James and Gavin Gwynn. And you could hear the thumps. You could hear everything that you don't normally hear because of the crowd. We, we were talking, you know, we were talking to a couple of trainers afterwards and all that. And they said, any of the guys that have come out of, you know, national elite level boxing representing the country where they've had to do box offs behind closed doors They're, that's bread and butter to them it doesn't bother them it doesn't shake them up we had a chat a couple of weeks ago you were doing the golden contract final with my man the main man Jazza you've been around the UFC bubbles you've been around um, MDK you've been around Matchroom you've been around UFC are the, bar- the standard bearers I mean you're looking at what they're doing and how they're doing it it's incredible the, the resources and everything but the UFC what they've done is, is amazing um, but you, you've also got to look at budgets and stuff like that um, the UFC won't, don't pay as much you know uh, so a lot of their bubble um, you know for you look at Anthony Joshua's fight they, I think they were allowed a thousand fans into that Anthony Joshua's pay packet is big what they have set up over in Yaz Island is Amazing! It's basically it's 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 an island, you know, in the middle of Dubai there with bridges to it. But they have a police off, so you can't enter there without unless you're supposed to be there. So they have this huge stretch of hotels, beaches, everything you could want. So a couple of the lads that are over there at the minute, you know, they're sending the videos and the video calls, and they're going, Jesus, yeah. I'm in the wrong place." As you said, there's the protocols, there's the strict, there's some are a little bit more than yeah. other. From from the from the inception, when you go into the hotel, it's are they all the same? Is there some different? Is there much of a difference? No, no, no. It's the same kind of. So what what happens is I I test here in Ireland before I leave because obviously I don't there's no point in me of me going if I'm testing positive. You know I don't want to arrive over there and test positive. I fly over, I get collected at the airport, I get brought straight to a testing room, my test, and then I'm sent to my room uh, and I'm locked in my room. The food brought to me. Uh, and I stay there until I get a negative uh, test. Once I receive me negative test, then I'm uh, I'm given a band 
to say you've passed our letter and you're allowed out in the bubble. You're not allowed to leave the hotels. They'll have a gym set up. They'll have a dining area set up. Um, a lot of people just get their food in their rooms. So you're, you're kind of, you know, you're kind of very secluded. It's, you know, it's been necessary for us to get sports going again and for us to be able to do what we want and for us to be able to put on shows. And like MTK have been brilliant. The guys, Lee and Ian, uh, Mark Clifford, all the guys, they've been amazing with the way they've organised everything. And obviously, you know, we'll be working on a smaller budget than the likes of your Matriums and, and even your Queensbury, um, who would have a bigger budget with BT as well. So, you, you know, you look at these guys and they've MTK have put on. Oh, you, outside of Matrium, I think MTK's fights have been amazing. I think they've put on real 50-50s. Gathered to Jamie Conlon just, just before that, or the original fixture of the Golden Contract final. And I said it to him, I said, like, there must be times where yourself and Lee are at loggerheads and he said, oh mate, he said, you don't want to hear some of those calls. He said, because they're matching them aggressively. You've seen these lads and I, and I guess I've heard Stitch Duran tell the stories so many times of how, like he's seen it all in, before, in the build-up. He's seen lads go through walls, he's seen lads reduced to tears. You see it all and, and, and you don't, you don't expect, you don't know what's going to happen. But is there much of a change in the in the fighters and the way they approach, or is it still the same mental mindset where they're they're going to that place before the fight? Or does the bubble and the isolation of it all kind of change that as well? It's changed for a lot of fighters. Now they still go to that place before the fight, but their journey to get to that place is now it's very much different. Um, so, for again, fighters that are used to fighting in the away corner, they're loving this now because there's no one. There's no advantage, there's no home advantage, there's no crowd of a couple of thousand or a couple of hundred or whatever the case would be, you know, cheering the other guy on. So they're just going in, it's a level playing field. And you can see it, the guys are, the way corners are getting wins just as much as the home corners now, you know. Um, and it's it's just been an amazing experience. Historical, that's on. I, I've enjoyed it a lot and it's, it's about to kick off for me again. So, so many people have gone through tough times at the minute and, you know, um, a little bit of noiseness goes a long way with it, you know. And just a word um, again as well before I let you go, Tom, um, there's a there's a bunch of athletes who are, um, who have pretty much been in limbo since the qualifiers started last February. They've been on pause and all the, it has to be a tough time for our Olympians and our, and our elite athletes. Can you visibly see Olympics? Can you see it going ahead? What, what's your hope? I'm dreadfully worried about the Olympics mm-hmm. happening um, because obviously you're going to have the Olympic Village which has thousands in it. Now, you're talking fit athletes, you know, who may not get affected, you know, too badly with, uh, with a dose of COVID. Um, but he, he, he couldn't risk that, you know, oh. the, the, just the logistics alone of getting people from all over the world to travel to try and make sure they're all vaccinated and then even still to PCR test people to make sure they're not arriving with. And then do you do it all behind closed doors? Do you, you know, so I, I you know, I, I don't think... At, at the present, at present, I don't see sport happening that on that international, global level like the Olympics or World Cup. I don't see anything like that happening for a while um, until we've got on top of this COVID. I think the best we can hope for is boxing and MMA and the football matches that continue behind closed doors, um, or you know, within you know, with with smaller controlled crowds. Um, but even at that. How do you control crowds at sporting venues when there's drink involved yeah. and stuff like that? Because people, we, we, you know, you're going to hug your mates and yeah, your other supporters when your team wins or your fighter wins. Or, so it's it's in us where uh, 
we're a social animal. So we're going to, you know, hug each other, embrace each other when things are going well for us during sporting events. So um, I, I just I just think we, we'll have to continue very, very slowly and small steps until we're on top of this uh, with that pandemic. Then, with that then, a lot of athletes are going to have questions. And I mean, it was terribly sad to see big Dean Gardner stepping away. I mean, what a career that man has had. What a, a lifetime it, it, to the sport. But what, what you're probably going to see now is, and it remains to be seen, is you're, go, you're going to see some of these fighters with, with decisions to be made. And um, look, more luck to them because they've got to look after themselves. They've got families to feed. and everything. 100%. 100%. And look, Dane's a lovely guy, but Dane's very smart. I mean, Dane is well-schooled. He's, I think he's gone back to a bit of college. And, you know, he, you know, he's well-schooled. So he's, you know, he's got a plan, you know. And, and it's great to see athletes with that plan of either, you know, I'm either going to go pro or going to pursue something else professionally, you know. Um, so he's got a good plan. It's horrible to see him leave the sport because obviously, you know, and he's one of the big joints of the sport. So you, you want to see these guys go on. Um, but you just you want to see them make the right move for the family, for them and the families, and that's what's what's more important than anything else. It's it, it's bigger than sport. It's bigger than you know entertaining fans and stuff. You know, you, you and your family have to be right, and that's more important to anyone. You know. And so say all of us. And just you may have guessed, but edited in there as Tommy was talking about his first experience of the fanless arenas, fanless atmospheres, if you like, was a the sound of some of the shots that was landed in the James Tennyson Gavin Gwynn fight, a brutal, brutal, punishing fight, uh, one that Tenny finished in style, and it's been a hell of a year for him and for team, for Mark Dunlop and the team, it's it's promises to be at least as good, at least as good, and the, the optimistic ones amongst us will say even better, so best of luck to Tommy, he does all the work with James Tennyson and the team and Tony, I understand he will now be doing a lot of work with my pal Sean, Josh Warrington, Reese and the crew over there in Maxi and all the other usual ones you see Tommy around so be sure to keep an eye out for him I'm going to make it my business to keep in touch with him throughout the year because he gives a fascinating insight as a cut man as a hand wrap expert fellas that see he sees these fellas when very few if anybody else does so thanks Tommy for your time really appreciate it not just for the insight but for being available for being willing to chat and for I guess for learning Something I have never been any good at is asking for help, reaching out. The growth, success and development of this little podcast is down to you listening to me each week, supporting, encouraging, getting behind. GoFundMe, crowdsource, Patreon, the likes, not for me. But what I will ask and what I am asking you now is, once you finish listening to this, please leave a review, put the old five stars or whatever it is, simply just share the link. I'm asking each person who downloads, listens for this episode and each other episode, please share it and share the love. Some of the news that's been emanating around the boxing world, as I said, centred mostly around Matchroom and their announcements. We had hoped Josh Warrington would face Can Zhu, but uh, Zhu can't. He's refused to travel and has opted to sit tight and hold off until what he sees or when, what he wants is the crowd. Well, um, mate, you might just wake up with a crowd around you at this rate because it's 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 not any time soon. So in place of that, we see him fighting land, uh, a Mexican fighter by the name of Lara. Not the fight anybody wanted or hoped for, but look, it's important now for Josh to get in the ring, get himself busy, get the win under the belt, and and move upwards and onwards. 
as I said, he's, he seemed disappointed at the press conference the other day. He certainly came across in, in um, emphatic and um, aggressive, if you want to say that. But why not? You know, that's 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 sitting about waiting for for a year on and for this fella, and then he decides at the last minute to pull the plug. So another one that's been given to go ahead, which is an incredible show, the twentieth of February, is David Avanesian versus Josh Kelly. It's a big, big, big fight, big night for Josh Kelly. Avanesian was the man in form when the fight was made first. Whether that's still the case or not remains to be seen. Um, Alexander Povetkin against Dillian White, the rematch, goes on the 6th of March. Uh, Lawrence O'Coley and Glowacki goes ahead on the 20th of March. Conor Ben against Vargas, 10th of April. I'm just skipping through some of these here now because, as I said, the other one that was announced was Zelfa Barrett against Kiko Martinez. And my interest in it, that's on, on the Josh Warrington undercard. So... Quite a few fights there, you'll see. And after all her big talk and her, um, I suppose you want to say arrogance a little bit, because I believe she was arrogant. He, Shannon Courtney has got a rematch with, announced during the week also, that Carlos Gongora had signed with Matchroom Fighter Boxing. No surprise there, after his fine win a couple of weeks ago. We were hoping for confirmation and big news of Jason Quigley against Shane Mosley's son in Russia on the undercard, Sergei Kovalev. If uh, I understand all the blocks were in place for the fight to be announced and Mr. Kovalev went and pissed hot. Um, what to say about that? I think it's I think it's sad. It's a sad end to a career. They're waiting on the B sample. Cathy Duva has said that it was Sergei who insisted on VADA testing but that doesn't mean anything in this day and age. It just means that he got caught Time will tell, we'll have to see, but do you believe a 38-year-old fighter at the back end of his career just suddenly decides to take these things? I don't know, I don't know, it's, 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 it's sad, that's all I'll say, because he was certainly in his day a force to be reckoned with, and for Jason Quigley it means another stumbling block along the way, but it is, as we say, just a bump in the road, and we'll keep, keep tabs and watch that space closely, because I've no doubt Jay and his team will be keen to get out as soon as possible. I keep trying to edit this. I got uh, my eyes tested yesterday, which is uh, Tuesday of this week. And they gave me drops to dilate my pupils as I was doing the test. And I got to say, I don't know what's in them or what's not in them, but I'm all over the place today. I'm all over the place. My depth perception, I'm like a freaking concussed fighter going around the place. I'm supposed to be on a roof doing a little bit of work, but I daren't. I daren't risk it right now. So, yeah, I'm just a little bit, uh, what shall I say, fun-cused? Wouldn't be the first time, some of you would say. And you'd be right. And you'd be right. Going to talk to now Aaron Bickerstaff, Belfast fella, who moved to Dubai a few years ago, started working over there. Of course was involved, if you remember, regular listeners will remember to set up the Sovereign Championship last year. And the plan was to carry it on every year, bring the Irish team over and add more nations to it. Of course, with everything that went on, wasn't able to do that, but... I think he's uh, hit gold. I think he struck gold at the weekend and he's going to tell us all about it. Hard to believe it's over a year ago now, Aaron. You had the Irish team over there. You've hit the big time this yeah. time around. How, <laughs> how are you keeping first and foremost in these, these weird and wonderful times? Yeah, not too bad. It's um, As you said, it's crazy, mate. It's been over a year since the last time I was talking to you um, on the show. Um, things things in Dubai are good. Um we 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 were in the situation 
that the that Ireland and the UK is in. Um, back in March, we had a eight week lockdown, and uh, things things now have kind of best seen. A lot more people are coming to Dubai. We don't hear an awful lot about the positive stories around the world. We're hearing about how everyone is yeah. suffering and where everyone is suffering. But again, the media are playing a part in this. That have to question. So, are, is there a massive change to life there as you guys knew it? Um, no, no. Uh, things are pretty much as as they were. Um, like Dubai is is um, you know reliant upon the tourist industry and, and really can't afford for it not to be open. But what what they've done well uh, the they they clocked onto it very early. You know, we had their, our first cases in and around uh, February. You know, they shut the place down straight away. We contained it, and then we, you know, they've put in measures now to to combat the the growth and the the risk to the to the people that live here and the people that travel here. Isn't that something? Isn't that just an example of, of yeah. how it can be done? The only thing I would say is that people stuck to the to the uh, restrictions when they were in place um, in March, and people followed the kind of. You know the isolation and staying home. Um, we were on complete lockdown; you couldn't leave the house um, for sixty-eight weeks. But uh, you suffer for that, you know, that time frame. And and now we're we're out of it. And don't get me wrong; the cases are still. I think the cases here are still, you know, fifteen hundred a day, something like that. But the way that it's dealt with now is that as soon as a case is kind of raised, anyone within, um, you know, a school then they isolate um, for a period until they get tested. And once that test comes back negative, then it's back to normal life again. So, To get to exactly. the more positive side of things and the more um, the more important side of things, the last time we chatted, you had the Sovereign Cup. It was a huge success yep. for the first time around. From a streaming point of view, you learned, you learned massive amounts from the team being over. And there was nothing but good stories came back. Not only did they get the box competitive, but they also got to have a little bit of a mid, mid-winter holiday as well. So they, they earn it as well, in fairness to them. But plans were in place yeah. to go ahead with that this year obviously with the lockdown and everything else it didn't it didn't get to go ahead but yeah. you, you weren't left idle for too long were you tell us about uh, the no. events there just the weekend incredible scenes i mean just everything about it were incredible was incredible wasn't it yeah thanks mate um we we uh <laughs> it came out of the blue to be fair um the event was supposed to be a small uh sparring session in iceland um just stevie and thor and that was just going to be kind of um videoed and then streamed out um when the when covid restriction came back into the you know ireland the uk and and europe we uh, quickly had to kind of uh get our thinking hats on and see what would be possible so um i mentioned i think the last time don idris who's my business partner at uh sovereign boxing championship he phoned me on i think it was the 2nd of january uh and pretty much went can we do this um and I obviously said, "Yeah, I love a, I love a bit of a challenge." So <laughs> we got our heads together, and even at that stage, you know, it was supposed to still be just Stevie against um, against Thor. Um, and then a couple of days later, the opportunity was there, you know, to build an undercard to give other people a, a, an opportunity to, to fight on the show and to kind of make a, a bigger spectacle of it. And um, yeah, we, we, we pulled it off in two weeks and with, with some brilliant fighters, you know, with uh with um Rohan Date on the show, um, a couple of other guys, you know, we call him Murphy was across. He he's then with his uncle Connor at the minute here. Um, good Irish good Irish prospect that he, I think he just won fight of the year with uh, JP uh JB Heal. So, you know, we had we had quality, quality fights on the night and then obviously I think 
you know, from from what I'm hearing and the feedback that we've got, people were were uh, quite surprised with how the big man handled uh, Stevie, who's a you know a quality quality fighter, he's just stepped up in the cruiser weight. He's he's a special character. I, I like to say about himself and Frampton, uh, their meaning here is goes a lot way beyond beyond boxing in their communities and how they carry yeah. themselves, how they interact with people. They go a long, long way in their in their hometowns, and 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 you can see why. Yeah, like I've I've known Carl for for years as a kid, and but I never really knew Stevie. But having him across was was brilliant. Um, with a with a great team, and the guy is the, probably one of the best professionals I've, I've seen. He's 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 great to be around, you know. Yeah. So it was it was brilliant having him across. You got, I mean, you got a week's notice, more or less, little over a week, maybe two. To, to bring it all together was it a case of using the format I guess from the Sovereign Championship and just expanding that out and, and, and adapting it a little bit or was there a lot was it literally starting from scratch and building it up from the ground we, we've team people here at, at Cookboards that we work with um, there's myself and Don there's Cena and then there's uh, there's Brad and as a core team we, we kind of know what, what needs to be done to, to get you know to get the shows ready and the, the to, to, to make them run successfully um, but we had to adapt a lot this time um, we're working with MTK now who are, who are you know advising us on different things and it was great to kind of have that expertise and that, that you know experience as well um, so it, it changed a lot from the Sovereign kind of um, show we made it a lot bigger I'm sure you've seen with the walkouts and the screens and we chose to keep it exhibition just because of the turnaround, the costs. This is about building that hype for the big show in Vegas in September and just keeping people's interests. I was impressed with your show the last time in the Sovereign Championship. I thought it brought, it, it reminded me very much of the old WSB or the WBS, whatever they used to call it, where it was yeah. just a pro-am. Yeah, yeah. You had that pro walk-in, it gave them that little bit of a swagger and they went to the ring. And now, Listen, yeah. we, we all know boxers have a little bit of ego. They love to get it massaged. Anyway. So it was great to see that. So... Uh, from my point of view, looking at the big show then and everything else the other night, the, the position of the cameras you yeah. were able to see. I mean, the backlight, the, the the strobe light of Stevie coming out again, and the more, even down to the words in the songs and stuff like that, meticulous. Like I thought it was, yeah. I thought it was so well done. And the scenes, thank you. I would say, mate, I haven't seen anything like it. I was trying to compare. I would say Value Evan David Hay was the closest I've ever seen, but Stevie is an awful lot bigger <laughs> than David Hay was, you know. So, um, yeah. From a from a, um, a logistics point of view, getting the guys in and out um, again, it's it's a credit to the to the setup and it's a credit to the to the situation right now in Dubai, isn't it? It's it's to be able to move them in and out as quick as they were. Yeah, you know that was that was a big kind of factor as well um, in in setting up this show. That was a lot different from our last one. Is that we had to have COVID protocols in place. Um, we worked with the Dubai Health Authority. Um, we work with the hotel. We work with all of the the agencies in place to kind of you know minimise the risk to the to the to the fighters first and foremost, but also to the to the public that came to watch. You know, and we had a a reduced crowd. Like we um, we had just there were just two hundred people in the in the in the hotel. We could have had five. You know, we could have sold it out three times. Um, but but we stuck to the the restrictions put in place by the Dubai Health Authority. The fighters had to have a negative COVID test seventy two hours before they could fight. Um, so yeah, there there was a lot more kind of you know, on the logistical side from a health and safety standpoint that that we had to quickly adapt to. And- 
talk to me a little bit about the, we know Stevie I've had him on here a few times I've had him but talk to me about the big man mm-hmm. I mean big man doesn't even kind of I think we need to find a new frame of reference for him because yeah he is ginormous but the man can move he's athletic as as, as athletic as a man uh, can be for that size is it? yeah you, you know, didn't have any special camera work or tricks around you were using did you <laughs> nothing nothing mate nothing um you know, it's it's funny because I've met him before with the, the World Ultimate Strongman here in Dubai. Um, and he was huge. You know, the guys lost 55 kg in six months. You know, so when you think of, you know, that's heavier than Paddy Barnes fought at. So <laughs> he's like Paddy Barnes pretty much, you know. Um, but the talk about a, talk about a professional guy is not leaving any corner unturned, um, any stone unturned. He's... Uh, He's he's a he's a professional athlete and he's now putting that focus all into boxing. Um and you know, it was great. We we sat down at dinner the first night they arrived and he was talking to Stevie and, and Stevie was giving him a bit of advice on, you know, when you're fighting somebody, um, you know, you should be looking at videos of similar fights that have happened in the past. How did that guy deal with it? You know, what was the attributes and it was just great to be to be there and, and to kind of witness it. But, you know, he was a he was a basketball player in his youth. Mm. He's obviously got the height for it. Um, so his feet work. People, people were asking me, "What's he like?" Well, you know, obviously, he's still got that. You know, some novice aspects going forward. Um, but for a guy to get in in his very first fight, training for six months against a professional such as Stevie, and to be so composed to not, you know just go all guns blazing to sit back to look for shots to try different things uh, I think every everyone was very impressed with it I suppose we've seen so many of these what I call novelty bouts over the last while I was very I won't say I was pessimistic but I was I wasn't expecting anything from it so when I watched it I was like oh now this is the benchmark you can keep all that other yeah. crap this is not only is it take it for what it is it's a it's a it's a, yeah. an exhibition match but you've got two guys who are treating it as and taking it serious. Yep. And when you saw Stephen in the clinch with him, I thought, "Oh man, don't do too much of that." And even even the force then from Mate. that shot that, that hit him in the shoulder and stuff like you, you just get a small idea as to how how much power that fellow is carrying. Scary, scary. I've seen him on the pads. I've seen him in the bag. You know, if that big man does another nine months of training and uh, learns to rotate more and the, the kind of the shots it's, it's dangerous he's he, he's gonna be very very good and very dangerous and um it'll be great to see also now what eddie hall does on the other side of it and who knows maybe we'll get an exhibition from and and so the eddie rivalry and, there uh, has that's grown from that will that, fairly set up a, a great show and that rivalry with eddie hall has that that come across from the strongman environment has that come from their crucible They've decided they wanted to try, or or is there bad blood between them, or is it a is it a case of both of them just decided they wanted to fight, and now it's they have to go because fellas, for anyone that's not familiar, fellas that size aerobically and anaerobically, they would not just be able to come straight out of that world into doing what they do now because you get an idea yeah. for for even three minute three rounds, it's a huge. But he wasn't blown. I've seen I've seen pros at lighter weight blown out her arse after a round or two, and this guy was yeah he was still going, you know it was it was yeah. special. He's uh he's sparring, yeah. He uh he's sparring six rounds at the minute, six threes in Iceland. Um, 
as I said, don't like people have said to me, you know, it's it's a, as you said, it's a gimmick or it's this. Trust me, this is this is not a gimmick. The big man is training six, seven days a week, twice a day. Really, you know, you've seen the shape of him. He's a six pack and he's mm. six foot nine, a hundred and sixty odd kg. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's definitely you say it's you sat be at, you sat at dinner. One. You sat at dinner with the lads the night before the fight. What does dinner look like for a man that size? <laughs> there's a lot of it. There's a lot of it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think it's it changed quite a lot from from the strongman days, you know. Um, but what you were saying, you know, as well, this isn't just a, a boxing match just because they both want to do it. There's there's a lot of bad blood between them. They they don't like each other. Um, and it's going to be interesting once we kind of get them together and and uh, see see how it unfolds in the ring. Top man, Aaron. Top man. Looking forward, looking really looking forward to uh, working with you over the next coming few weeks and months. There's lots and lots and lots I can learn from somebody with that experience and somebody who is indeed on their own learning path. So thanks for taking the time to chat with me and uh, congratulations on an absolutely mind-blowing event. Before I go to my final guest, I read a message on Tuesday night on social media that pained me, pained me, and I, I don't, I try not to let much stuff, much stuff get to me at times, because I just can't. You can't. If you were to go around virtue signaling for everyone, you'd be offended and hurt and sad for everybody. But it was a post from Stacey Copeland, a sadly announcing her retirement. A lady who I was triggered by when I saw her TED talk, when I spoke to her in person a couple of times, and I spoke to her the last time, right back at the beginning of lockdown number one. She was so upbeat. She was so positive, so focused, and she gave an absolute... I might actually re-dig it up and, and put it out again, but she was given, from an experience, from a lady who's walked the walk, how athletes could, should, and would keep themselves focused, keep their heads busy, keep them busy. And keep themselves absolutely zeroed in, laser guided onto their targets, which she was at the time. Now, I didn't, I spoke to her a little bit off air since in the meantime, just general messages back and forth, maybe talking about football and stuff. But I didn't realise, I didn't realise that the injury had flared up again. And um, I was very sad and I am very sad and sorry to hear that she's retired. I sent out a couple of messages to her and she's been in touch since. And she's she's just a fantastic person. And yet again, I don't know if there's much else I can say without diluting it or without doing the usual oversell, but anyone that's ever seen or heard Stacey Copeland speak will know what I'm talking about. And if you haven't, get along and listen to her because she, she she's just a special once-off sort of person. It's going to take a little while. It's going to take a while for her to adjust and for her to become comfortable with the the fact that her dreams will have to be elsewhere. That in itself, for somebody like Stacey, it's not easy. But her calling is greater than boxing. And I've said this a few times. Her calling, without doubt, is greater than boxing. The things she's doing, the mountains she's moving, goes beyond words. So, Stacey, I'm thinking about you. I really am. I'm, I'm, I, I, I don't know what much else to say. I, the, the, there's not much else I can say. So, take however long it takes, I guess, to, to become comfortable. If that ever happens... Or maybe just readjust that laser focus that you've got. And once it's zeroed in on the next target or paved away or whatever the case may be. And if there's any way, shape or form that I can help or add anything to it. 
would be an absolute privilege and it'll be an absolute privilege to consider your friend and to be in contact with you from here on. You may recall and a build up just after fight camp one or thereabouts we spoke to our pal Kieran Farrell. Kieran was alluding to a fight he was trying to get over the line at the time. Long story short the fight he spoke about behind closed doors that he was hoping for was between Amy Timlin and an unknown opponent at the time. Didn't know if he had one or not couldn't say a whole lot but they were hoping to set up a fight for the vacant super bantamweight commonwealth title fast forward to a now and I suppose just before Christmas the opponent was Carly Skelly she got the opportunity to fight she upset she didn't read the script shall we say and many expected her to come in and be beaten and it didn't happen she performed admirably she more than held her own and, and many people including myself if I'm pushed think she did just about enough on the night to win I didn't think the coverage was fair, I didn't think it was a fair shake on the night and I thought, I just thought there was more to tell. So I reached out, got in touch with her and I think you're going to be, I think you're going to like this story. But I also have to give a full disclosure here. I made the cardinal error, the worst balls up you could imagine. I called her by the wrong name. Not only did I get her name wrong. I called her by her opponent's name, Amy. So when you hear the beginning of this interview and she's laughing and I'm referring to the dirty look, that was a little chat that we had off air. I mean, we keep that to ourselves, uh, Carly. But uh, I apologise again. I've apologised every time since. It, it is tongue... It, it was absolutely a mistake and I was mortified. But now I'm glad that she can see the funny side of it and that she understands there was no disrespect or no nothing else meant by it. But listen to the laugh at the beginning. And I'll be sure that if it happens again, I will without doubt get an express FedEx uh, punch in the ear for my troubles. <laughs> and after the absolute blunder of all blunders and calling her by her opponent's name, Carly, my deepest apologies. I genuinely am sorry. I hope you're keeping it's How fine. are you keeping today? I'm really good. Thank you. After talking off air about that dirty look that was thrown, I would absolutely be guaranteed to get 10 of those in, those, in that moment. I genuinely <laughs> apologise. You feel it through the phone. <laughs> <laughs> I could feel the heat. I could feel the burn. But it only seems like a couple of weeks ago the fight was. And, and, and it's, I just checked there. It was, it was October, wasn't it? To be honest, I was thinking about myself. But it went that long ago when I actually looked. Yeah. As I said to you, I'd been chatting with Kieran uh, a few weeks before. And he was talking yeah. about trying to get a fight on... Uh, behind closed doors it was for a commonwealth title but the only thing he couldn't tell me was who was due to fighting it and I thought okay cool I gathered then he had a little bit of trouble getting it over the line but one thing led to another and he happened onto a pretty huge card wasn't it yeah yeah it all worked out well he was trying to get us on one of the um the smaller venue and it was he was trying for quite a while so originally I've been told we were going to be fighting in August then September and then then again in October, so like by the third time, I was, you know, a little bit wasn't so sure if it was actually going to go ahead or what. And then the next thing is we got told it was going to be on the um, other country's order bill, so um, all along waiting worked out well in the end. And their way manager's Dave Caldwell, so he's got obviously a lot of connections with Eddie Hearn and Matchroom. Um, so yeah, she was like their, their home fighter, even though she's not signed with Matchroom. She, she was a Matchroom girl. Um, and then obviously I'd come on from, I did what I did and I don't think they'd done the research and 
anything beforehand and weren't expecting the fight to go the way it was. I've become pal enough with, with, with Kieran, but I'm not saying anything wrong. I'm just speaking my truth. I'm speaking what I saw. And I genuinely thought maybe the event, maybe the occasion, maybe the whole lot, maybe just got to Amy a little bit. And now there's no doubt that it was a close fight. The, the, the preparation wasn't done in equal levels and I thought it showed at times as well. That's then. We've moved on from then since. Has, is there likely to be? I, I, I mean, I've heard you say since you're, you're more than ready and happy for, for the rematch. But there- No, so the, afterwards, at first, um, I think a few little interviews that maybe Amy had done and she'd said, hopefully the, the news will be coming soon. Um, I know my manager's spoken to her manager and they've said hopefully getting us onto a show in January, February. But other than that, we haven't heard nothing. Just want to add a wee reminder here that this interview was done Christmas week. And at the time, we were just projecting and hoping and guessing when the fight might arrive. My ho- my plan always was to release this interview around about now, maybe maybe a little bit earlier, but it was always going to be early in the new year. So it's just a little bit of a Brucey bonus that uh, Uncle Eddie decided last week to include Amy Timlin and Carly Skelly rematch for the Super Bantamweight Commonwealth title on the February 20th card which headlining is David Evanesian against Josh Kelly you're also going to have Florian Marco, Ryan Charlton Anthony Fowler Jorge Fonterra Johnny Fisher and a couple of other fighters included on that card so we didn't know it at the time but it's just jumped perfectly into the Enswell Boxing New Year plan like if this is a title fight and you two went and shared their spoils surely it's it's to be the same from next time on it should be a 50-50 yeah, I'd like to hope so. Um, but like you say, sometimes when the um, people don't get the rematch as quick as they should, and some don't even get them at all. Um, but you know, we were both very similar. You know, we'd only had the same same experience um, coming into a big show like that, so we both deserve to get that um, that opportunity again to fight for the belt. It's been a it's been a real breakout year, and and I know I speak regularly to Jane Couch. She's a proud lady this year. This is Christmas. She is sitting with her. I bet you she's smiling wherever she is. Yeah, let's see lots of the uh, the videos and tweets of um, the all-female title fight. Uh, was it a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Um, seeing Jane quite involved with that. So, yeah, she must be really happy to see how far it's come. Um, and, yeah, it's been it's been a really good year. I think a lot of people, and maybe myself at the beginning of the year, being on usually like smaller shows, Quite quite unsure on how this year would have gone and how it works out for us, but it's it's actually worked out really well because we are having to fight each other. So there's been some really good uh, matchups this year for females, and a lot of women have got to to get onto these big shows and prove to the world basically that you know we're constantly evolving and that we're getting better and better. So I think the big plus for girls and for the for the girls as well is you're willing to fight. Do you know what? I don't need, I don't know really. I can't obviously speak to any of the other women, but personally, I'd, I'd fight anyone. And you want to get out there and you want to get the exposure. Um, we actually had while we were in the bubble for for my last fight a little chat with Eddie Hearn, and he was speaking to me coach saying, "I would it's amazing with the women because the women just want to get in with anyone and everyone. So it's it's easy to match us all up. Um, there's no well, I'd rather fight them first and then build to that. But we're all just open to fight everybody. We're all um, trying to expose ourselves and, and, and get these fights which is really good because like you say the men sometimes you want to see fights and you, you wait a long time to, to get them like you know we've got talks now of Anthony Joshua and Fury but we've been wanting to see that for a long time and I know Kel Brook and um, 
army of Khan. That was like another fight that mm-hmm. we never got to see. So there's always like a lot of politics with the men, I think, isn't that? What's your thought on AJ and Fury? Are we going to see it next? I'm really looking forward to it. Um, I'll be honest, I love the both of them. I've always been a Fury fan. Yes. But I've got to be very, very honest. <laughs> is since Anthony Joshua lost to Luis, and he's come back since then like a different man, and I think he's improved so much. And um, yeah, I just think he's come on loads since that fight. I think maybe maybe a loss has just changed his mindset or something. So I do, I do think it could go either way, and especially in heavyweight. Heavyweight, it's only that one punch that can end a fight, but. I've got to stick with them, Fiori. I've always been a Fiori. Take me a little bit back to you, Carly. Growing up in Liverpool, uh, there's many drawn similarities drawn between our, between our land here in Ireland and, and of course, your your city, and, and with good reason. It's always been a, a great similarity, hasn't there? But growing up in Liverpool, yeah. is it, it's, um, how was it for you? I think it was just, just, just like a normal upbringing, to be honest. Um, yeah, just to really know what to say on that one. Just I grew up with my mum and dad and my sister and my brother. Um, and we just had like a normal upbringing. Um, in school, I did like to to have a little bit of a fight in school. I wasn't so, a typical so we're, girly girl. You were a tomboy, were you? <laughs> I was definitely a tomboy. Good on you. Yeah. yeah, I did get myself into a few fights in school quite often. Um, but then growing up, I had my kids quite young, but I had Aiden quite young. I was pregnant at nineteen, so um, grew up quite young. And then once having him, I um. When I got a degree and everything, then took me degree in nursing, um, and then it was actually just I've been working for a little while as a nurse, and I was pregnant with Thomas. So when I had him, Paul actually worked offshore, so I was at home with two kids. He was away a lot. It was quite difficult for me to go back to work. So while I had the time off, I actually got into my sports then, and I started doing like a lot of um, running charity events and done like half oh. marathons I was on the full so, marathon so you were an, an athlete before the boxing you were you were into the, the track yeah I really enjoyed running I'd always liked running in school but it was not something I'd ever dedicated myself I was um, you know easily led and swayed into the wrong things maybe being younger um, so yeah when, the, um, when I had Thomas at the time off from work I got back into my running and got really focused and then I picked up an injury after I'd done the full marathon and I kind of needed like a name, otherwise I'd have not stuck to something. And I started off doing a charity fight, like a white collar fight. And you, know, you just do something and you take to it and thought, I will love this. So I ended up going to North Mersey. Um, funnily enough, my po- partner Paulie used to box there for Sid. So I went there and that's it then. Yeah, Still there now. There's, there's a little another little Irish link here, isn't there? Paul is Irish, isn't he? Is that what you're talking So Paul's grandparents are um, Irish, so he's got Irish in both sides of his families as well. His mum's mum and dad, I think, were Irish. And then his dad's nan and granddad were all Irish as well. Amazing. But I think a lot of like times, if I've ever met Irish people, you automatically click with them straight away. And I think that is because you have so much in common, similar upbringings and backgrounds, and you obviously got that connection with families. Everybody I know has got some Irish relative or Irish friend. People might not be aware here in Ireland is there's more than the boxing side to Carly Skelly. Yeah, definitely. Boxing's always been like my outlet. Always, it's like it's the break from the family, it's the break from work. I, it's it's a hobby to me. Like I enjoy it. I don't look at it as work. It's, you know, you know, you just you love it, so you enjoy it, and it's no um, no issue getting up and going to the gym. 
Um, with work, obviously, yeah, that's more challenging. Um, and especially with this current situation now, or like mm. just having to adapt it, or like the new guidelines that are constantly coming in all the time. Um, it's been been a tough year. Um, in all fairness, I've actually took a little bit of time out of work to focus on the boxing um, before my fight, and probably recent weeks afterwards. Because um, I've, I've been really lucky, I've had like a lot of support and a lot of sponsors that have come on board and stuff. So, mm. um, yeah, boxing's been like my main job for the past like six months. It's a paediatric nursing, so I work with oh, children. Wow. So I'm in Alder Heights Children's Hospital, um, and I'm on like a surgical board. So just like a little bit of everything, just loads of general surgical things. But yeah, it's children. I don't think I could deal with adults, to be honest. No, no. Well, listen, here, <laughs> I'm going to put my man card on the desk here when I'm saying this. I watch A&E. I make it my business to watch it maybe once a week. Every time I watch it, I end up in tears. And they're real tears. Here, but it's it's um, it's hard. And, and I, think, I think looking at things like that and looking at people, that the stuff that they have to go through... It, a little bit of a reality check every now and then you're seeing that on a first hand basis so really boxing and, and COVID has come in on top of that but boxing wouldn't really compare to it would it it would in many ways physically but in, in the mental side of it and everything else to take that away it, it's tough no and I think that's yeah I think that's why I've got quite um, a strong mindset is that I have done the nursing for so long coming into a fight like I know people get maybe like these pre-fight jitters the nerves and stuff and I, I handle myself really well. I keep myself really composed. I never let the, the fights get, get on top of me. And I just think, you know, I've seen what I've seen in work, mm-hmm. um, dealt with a lot more things in work. And, and you know, I've been through childbirth twice. <laughs> hey, listen, I say this over and over again. And if, I said about humans, but I said about fellas in general. Any fella that wants to stand in front of me and talk up and talk anything about being in a delivery ward, mate, you just need to shut up, sit down. You've got no place in there, right? So if you're going to be there, just know your role. Sit there and zip it because you've got, <laughs> you're about you're you're no help to nobody, and I include myself in that. That's an interesting point that the preparation for work environment and everything else would have had helped you prepare with the the build up to what was a it was quite a hyped card at the end of the day. Yeah, it was a massive uh, massive one and. Like the whole week, like I was actually getting my hand wrapped for that fight, and I was sitting there with Sid, the coach, and he's wrapping my hands. And he said to me, He's like, Is it normal up here? Just this relaxed. And like, I just turned around and said, What is normal, Sid? And the both of us are just sitting there laughing. We just literally enjoyed the experience. And that's a lovely um, story with Sid because tell us a little bit about him. He, he's um, he, you're his only fighter, aren't you? And he's your own, like, that's it's it's a nice, it's a lovely story. I thought that was a nice twist on it as well. Yeah, well, Sid's done the pros years ago, um, and then he coached my fella Paul in the amateurs. So when I was actually getting into boxing, it was Paul that took me and was like, "Come and see Sid," and he took me in. I was, to be honest, I was, um, I was a bit, I was shit myself when I first went in to see him because there was all lads in there, all in the office, and he can be um, very, very serious at first, Sid. And he was like, oh, "What? You want a box? You're going to get it, you know." And it's not none of all of this um, girly stuff that I'm going to be doing in here. And I was like, no, honestly, I want a box. But when he said that to me, my mindset was like, I'll prove to you that I can box. And that was it. Then like, I started getting in and I was just training all the time. And he took me everywhere. We'd done all kinds. Um, had a really good amateur career. And then, obviously, I'd, had a few decisions um, where I wouldn't have agreed with. And I got to the point where I thought... I'm 
well, was a 32 maybe at the time. Where am I going? I'm not going to end up like boxing for GB because I've got kids. I can't take off and leave the kids and things like that. Um, so I made the decision to turn over and Sid said, well, I'm going to get my badge back, my pro badge back. So he's been with me as an amateur and as a pro, but he's known me for, for years because he's like known Paul. He's been a big part in Paul's life as well. So I'm really, really lucky. Like I'm in, I'm in the best team I could ever be in. I speak to Stacey Copeland regularly. Special people. Yeah. It goes beyond male, female. It's just boxing, and it's breaking boundaries all over the place. Yeah, it's took it's took a while for women's boxing to 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 get to where it is. Um, so it's nice to just see it flowing so well. Like this has been like a special year. I think 2020. I know it's been really challenging for a lot of people ups and downs of everything going on but for women's boxing it's it's been a special year this time last year when you were sitting looking ahead planning and making hope and everything else i wouldn't say you could have imagined being on a, a matchroom card fighting for a commonwealth title and, and sitting ready ready and willing to go again this time around no like obviously i've always a dream big and I'm, I'm i believe in myself to get there but to be thinking last year this is where i was going to be in a year's time i thought it would have been fair but down the line so getting the um the opportunity this year has been amazing so I just need to get this rematch now. You've been able to grow the boxing side and, and, and their sponsors are coming online and they're willing to back you because they've seen it and everyone sees it. And I think a lot of people can relate to you as well. You're, you're, um, you're, you're, one, of the, you're one of us real folk who, who talk real language and, and, it's, and it's, yeah. it's good to see and, and it keeps the dream alive for, for anybody else following in your footsteps. Yeah, definitely. Like I always say, I think a few times in interviews people have asked me this and I've never really known how to answer it. And it's probably come to me now when they've said, like, Who, who's inspired you? And I've always thought, I don't know, because it's kind of just happened. It's never been, like, it was never a dream being younger to be a boxer. It all kinds of happened. Mm. And I'd probably say now, like, it's more that nobody in particular inspires me. But it's like being a role model to my boys. I've got obviously two young boys, eight and 13. And I just think if they can look at the mum who's just a normal mum, a nurse, you know, just working normal, to, to, to go and be on like a, um, a massive bill like the boys watch me and they think they were so emotional watching me and I just think it shows them that they can do whatever they want to do how is it for the, for Paulie and for the for the for the lads because it it was it was quite intense at the when it got to that fight yeah to be honest it's probably it's probably just get tough on them um Paul works full-time um and the kids have got like a lot of activities Aiden plays footy Thomas has plays footy um they do other activities Aiden does boxing so trying to juggle everything around can be like a little bit up the wall at times and obviously sometimes I can't give them my full attention especially when I like the build up to a fight and I'm I'm watching weight and I'm just tired every time I get home of a night because I've been training twice a day so it, it can be tough on them but I'm I'm so lucky that they do support me and they do believe in me so they, they do get it and they do understand um, Paul, Paul might say to me like I'm a bit of a nightmare at times <laughs> but I'm, I'm really lucky I can't complain but I, I hope he's standing at outside range at, at long range when he does say that so that he can't get a backhand <laughs> across the ear or something but uh, no it is a big part Carly and you, you make a good point there and you make it well it's a big part because there's a lot of there's a lot of fighters you hear of over the years and, and not not necessarily not necessarily small time fighters a lot of big profiles are whose, whose partners another has a not only do they have no interest, but they just don't understand it and they don't want the, the amount of time it takes to it. And that, that in itself can be a huge draw and a huge drain on a fighter. So to have it working like that and to working as a cohesive unit and, and, and who knows, hopefully for the rematch, the lads and the three of them will be side, ringside for you and you'll be able to see it and, and watch it play out for you because that would be just a, another step up again, wouldn't it? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, when I actually told Thomas the bill that it was in, um, he he was made up. But then I told him, I said it's on Halloween. He was like, "Who's taking me trick or treating?" <laughs> <laughs> and then as it, when I, like we were talking about it, and he realised he couldn't come, he he just got as upset and started crying. And he was like, "I don't want you to fight if I can't go." So yeah, did they watch it on TV then? They were able to see. Yeah, a load of friends got together. They all watched it together, um, and a few of my friends took videos. You know, like their reaction as I was walking out. And Thomas got dead emotionally. Um, he cried, (laughs) but he actually said after it to everybody, he was like, "They were happy tears." And for like days after it, he kept looking up, looking up at me like really strange. And I was like, "You all right, mate?" (laughs) And he's like, "I'm just that proud of you, mum." Uh, but I was crying then every every few days. <laughs> you could have me out of here now. You know that's incredible. That but that, you see, there's the there's the boxing story that people not enough people hear and see. That's the or I keep saying this: ordinary people just doing extraordinary things, and that's an extra. Yeah. That's almost like a rocky story. You've you've literally plucked from obscurity something you love doing. Would do it for nothing, and probably cost you money over the years. And now you get thrown, and you got the chance, and and. It's ready to go. Just name the day and name the place, as as Khabib says. Send me there. Send me uh, location. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, before I let you go, I'm going to talk a little bit about the bubble and the environment and the whole um, the whole build up to it. It's um, yeah. it must be very surreal, is it? Yeah, it was. Um, literally, as soon as you pulled up outside the the hotel, obviously with everything the, the way it is now, and you having to get tested, you were literally out and straight in to get your test done and it was just, that itself was a bit bit different to anything you, you're used to and then once we actually went up and we had our test we were in the room and we weren't able to come out we were like locked in and it was a bit mad like I'm like always out and about I can never sit still like for half of the day I enjoyed it you know being away from the kids and getting that peace but then I was sitting there like I'm bored what can I do you see, and there's the difference when we're looking at the footage of Callum Smith and the brothers last night. All I heard was Xbox and Playstations and Switches and stuff. Girl, that's not a girl scene at all. You, you've got stuff to be doing. You've got things to be... Well, that's it. Like, I might have been a tomboy, but I was never for computers. No, I, <laughs> so I, I, um, I took a load of books and got loads of readings on, to be honest, which is nice. Because I don't really... You don't know, always have the time to, to get through books as quick as I did that week. And coming across your opponent, on the, was there any awkward moments? Or- it was just, it was quite respectful. We kind of, you know, we didn't we didn't speak or nothing. Um, I'm not the type of person to go and, like, speak to an opponent because, you know, it's war. <laughs> Until you've d- done the business, It's there is no conversation from me. Um, and that, that carries on afterwards because the, the result went the way I should, felt each other went. So the war's not over until we've had this rematch. Yeah. Um, there was no animosity. There was no nothing. There was just... We didn't really um, engage. Look, where does Carly go when she's preparing for a fight? Do you go into your thoughts? Do you go inside your head? Or do you do you keep it carefree? Do you keep it... What, what would be your, your modus operandi? This year, obviously, with the way it's been, it's been an interesting year for me. I've actually done a lot of meditation. Um, I've done a couple of courses. Um, it was Paul that has actually got into it first. So the build-up to this fight, I've done quite a lot of meditation and just really tunes in within. And it just really brought me to just... The most relaxed state I've ever been, to be honest. And the whole fight, I could like remember every moment. I never let the the emotion overtake. So I was just present in every moment throughout it. And I, I do believe that was a lot to do with the meditation I've done this year. And like you said earlier on, like Liverpool's having this like spiritual awakening kind of thing going on, and there's been like a, a lot of things happening, a lot of um, events and stuff. So it's um, there's been like a lot of 
mind's work as well that I've done this year, as well as the physical stuff. I've done a lot of mind's work, and I think that's, I think, well, not that I think, it, it's the most important about the right mindset. You can be as fit and physically ready for anything, but if you haven't quite got your mind ready and right for things, then you're already down, aren't you? And the last thing I'm going to ask you before I let you go and uh, is any little fighting, any little things you like to do before a fight? Some fighters are very... Um very superstitious some aren't at all is there anything you like to do or anything that you don't do or only um since last year um paul's nan um who was very very close with me as well phyllis passed away um she literally just passed away before my first pro fight um and she was honestly like my biggest fan that's where my name came from thumper phyllis always called me a little thumper I wondered where yeah. that, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So I kind of always just say a little prayer, look up and just feel like she's with me in the ring and that, that's my little bit. Is that what that's you were doing at the end of the fight year. when you were waiting on the result? Is that what you were? If I'm always looking up, it's I'm always like yeah. thinking a little prayer to Phyllis. There you go. Yeah. That's, that's uh, again. And there she is. What a story. Ordinary girl. She just did and does what she does best and what she knows. She works hard. She focused and she dared to be great. And now she, she's a, a stone's throw away with a rematch announced. It's 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 incredible. And more luck to her. I will endeavour. I've tried to get in touch again this week with Amy, but she's not fond of media. I've, I'll get in touch with Karen as well. And we'll try and get both of them onto an episode before they fight. And yet again, the point is very clear. The message is very clear. For fighters, stay ready. Be ready take any opportunity that comes along and grasp it with both hands and you just might end up you might be surprised where you end up Carly Skelly did it and she's one win away from changing hers and her family's life for a while that's it from me and them until then thanks again for listening thanks for your messages early on in the week be sure to get in touch as I said the new email address is ebpod at mail.com You'll get me on all the social medias, all the platforms across Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Coming up on the next episode, who have I got? I could go with Jazza. Could we do two Scousers in two weeks? I've got the McKenna's on as well, and I've also got some smashing interviews lined up for the next for the rest of the week. Whatever happens between now and then, stay safe, stay sane, and smile. All's well that ends well. <laughs>